Hello and welcome to the Mystery Room. I am Shannon. And I am Abby. Today we are unfortunately not having wine because we are both unwell. So we've got... (laughs) I just want to say this is Shannon's fault. Now we are both unwell. So if our voices do sound a bit husky, it is Shannon's fault. I will take blame. (laughs) She did try to avoid me last week, but she's got it. So we have got cups of tea today. Yes, which I'm not complaining about. I like a good cup of tea. I like a good bicky with my cup of tea, though. Ooh. Nice malted yeah. milk. Digestive. Yes. So today we are travelling across the seas to Australia. South Australia, to be exact, in the coastal capital of Adelaide. Today we are looking at the case of the missing Bowman children a case which has haunted Adelaide for over 55 years. It was on the 26th of January, 1966, also known as Australia Day. This is a euphoric day in the middle of summer which celebrates Australian culture. Many of the activities include swimming, eating and, of course, partying. But on what was meant to be a day of celebration soon became two parents' worst nightmare when their three children, Jane, nine, Anna, seven, and Grant Beaumont, age four, went to the beach to never return. But let's take a step back and see which events led to the three children vanishing without a trace. Before we carry on, I do just want to say it's not that we enjoy talking about cases involving children because we are aware that last week's episode was about a child and uh, this week's episode is also about children and we're also planning next week's episode which is also about a child um so we kind of got a bit of a recurring theme going on here but i do just want to put it out there it's not something we enjoy it just seems like a lot of the cases we research uh that are unsolved involve children don't they really so Mm. some people may say they ran away but they came from a very loving family They lived in a typical 1966 suburban household with their two parents, Jim and Nancy Beaumont. Jim was a taxi driver and Nancy was a stay-at-home mum. They lived in a tight-knit cottage at 109 Harding Street, Somerton Park, which was only a five-minute drive from the Glenelg Beach. On the 25th of January 1966, the day before they went missing, their dad, Jim Beaumont, was on his way to a works business trip, but on his way, he dropped the three children off at Glenelg Beach. When they arrived at the beach, Jim showed his kids where was safe to swim out to and not talk to any strangers. He drove away, leaving nine-year-old Jane Beaumont in charge. Like last week's case, back in then days it was normal for children to roam around on their own. It was a time when no one would lock their doors. After a few hours at the beach, the kids would arrive home on the bus to their mum Nancy for tea. That evening, the kids begged their mum to let them go back to the beach the next day, saying how they got on so well today and proved that they could get the bus and follow the rules all by themselves. Nancy was a bit hesitant at first, but later agreed that they could get the bus to and from the beach the next day. Anna even mentioned to her mum that Jane had a boyfriend at the beach, but Nancy just thought this was just jokes and didn't really think too much into it. Nancy tucked her children into bed that night, but that would be the last time she would ever tuck her children into bed again. Okay, so we were just talking about this. Like, being young girls and going out on your own world without your parents, it is kind of... I can understand why... Who was it? Was it Anna? Anna. Yeah, she was like, oh, Jane's got a girl for a boyfriend. <laughs> Bloody hell. 
who is it Jane or I don't even know so basically Anna was like oh mum Jane's got a boyfriend at the beach that's why she wants to go back yeah so I can but then Nine is very young like yeah but it's probably just a boy that she chatted to and then her little sister's like oh that's your boyfriend you know how brothers and sisters wind each other up hmm yeah I mean yeah if I if I if I saw a boy that I fancied and I knew who was going back to the same place the next day I would 100% go that is um, stalker behaviour, that is. <laughs> You're making a podcast about me soon. <laughs> on the 26th of January, 1966, Jane, Arno and Grant left on the 8.45am bus to the beach and they agreed with their mum that they would arrive back at 12 noon. Nancy sent her kids off with a change of clothes, towels, six shillings and six pence, which Jane had put in her white-clipped money purse. And... Please remember that these items that they were sent off with are very important and they do pop up later on in the podcast. No one knows exactly what the kids got up to when they are at the beach, but 12 noon soon came and their mum was waiting at the bus stop. When the bus arrived, the kids did not get off and they were not on the bus. Nancy was a bit panicked, but she thought maybe they had just missed the 12 bus and they would get the next one. The next bus came at 2pm, but again... None of the kids got off the bus. Nancy had contacted Jim about the kids not returning on the bus. Jim returned home straight away from his business trip. Once Jim arrived, him and Nancy drove to the beach to search for them. They couldn't find them, but they decided to go to local friends and families. In the case that the children had run into them along the way and just lost track of time, they spent about two and a half hours going from different friends and families, but there was no luck. At 5.30pm, Jim and Nancy report their children missing to the Glenelg police station. Sorry. Why are you laughing at Glenelg? It just sounds funny, doesn't it? Glenelg. Glenelg. Um, it sounds like it should be in Wales. Um, it really does. Yeah. Within 24 hours of them reporting to the police, the whole nation was aware of the disappearance. Airports, railway and interstate highways were monitored in fear of them being kidnapped and taken out of the state or country. The local police had hoped that many of the children got lost, so they searched the local beach and surrounding area with no traces of the children. While the police were searching for the Beaumont children, Jim and Nancy did a news report and hoped for information or witnesses to come forward. The news reporter asked if they regret letting their kids go off on their own, and Jim made it very clear that Jane, the eldest child, was very intelligent and they only have to tell her something once and she'll always do as she's told. She has never spoken to strangers and is very capable of looking after her brother and sister. He said that his children are shy and they usually do stick together. Why would news reporters ask? I think the news uh, reporters did it because they're like... They want something. You know, like, oh, you're neglected pet, like, you're neglecting yeah. the children. They just want something interesting to put yeah. in there. And, and, I... it's, and it's like we were saying, back then, it was very normal for your children to go off on their own at a young age because mm. there wasn't many cars on the road. There wasn't much crime. Mm. And yeah. I just feel like the news reporter just wanted to twist things and make them... But, like, doing things like that just makes the parents feel bad. Like, yeah, it's their exactly. fault it's yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Nancy had mentioned to the police that the night before, Anna had told her that Jane had a boyfriend down the beach, and that is why she was so excited to go back the next day. But Nancy, of course, thought it was just teasing, especially as both of the parents said that their kids were shy. 
After three days of searching, Nancy and Jim offered a $250 reward, which is approximately $3,500 in today's money. This was to prompt witnesses to come forward, which is exactly what it did. A lady from Wenzel's Bakery in Glenelg said that Jane came into the bakery at 20 past 12 that day and she bought pasties and meat pies. <laughs> I want to say pasties. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say pasties. What is wrong with me? I can't say pasties. Okay, so Jane went into the bakery and bought pasty, pasties. <laughs> Again. And, and meat pies. Oh my God, I actually cannot say Pasty, it's pasty. Pasties and meat pies. But she paid with a one dollar note. You may be thinking, oh, so they were still around at twenty past twelve and maybe they did just miss their bus. But if you remember earlier I said that the kids were only given six shillings and six pence that morning. So where did they get the one dollar note from? Jim and Nancy also said that the kids do not like meat pies as they do not like the taste of them. So were they already with the person that took them at this point and did the person not enter the bakery because they are known in the area? Many other witnesses came forward saying they saw the children that day and had said that they were with a tall man in his mid-thirties with brown hair, thin, tanned and was wearing swimming trunks. They said the kids seemed relaxed around him and actually enjoyed his company and they remember seeing them with him the day before. The kids had waited for the man to get changed and then headed away from the beach a quarter past twelve. And, okay, um, just to put it out there, I had to Google and we had to listen to some pronunciations of how to actually say the name of this river. But another person came forward from Patuolonga Boat Haven, which is about... 0.9 miles from the beach and they said that they had spoke with three kids at 7pm on the 26th who matched the kids' description. The police searched the area and even drained the haven in the hope of a body but there was nothing found and was later found that it was a mistaken identity. Obviously a lot of these witnesses coming out were just hoping for the $250 reward and had no information at all. I must say, though, I feel like the police in this case did work very quickly. As we all know, that the first 24 hours in a child abduction mm-hmm. is very crucial. And I do feel like as soon as Jim and Nancy reported their children missing, that they were very on it and they were searching and they were going around, they were getting all this stuff out. Um I do also think that a lot of the witnesses coming forward are time wasters. I mean, anyone would do anything for some money at the end of the day. And some people probably sat there and thought, oh, $250, that's a bit of easy money if I give them some information. Mm. Yeah. So it's really hard to like know if them witnesses are telling the truth or not. Yeah, $250 back then. It was, three, was it 3500 3, That's quite a bit. <clears throat> And the fact that they drained a whole haven, which is what, like, basically like a lake. It's, they, it's a river, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so they've drained the whole thing. Yeah. It, just in case there was a body there. I'm sorry, but I don't see the police in the UK doing anything like that anytime soon. <coughs> From the witnesses that did see the suspect, the police produced a sketch of the man they believed have taken the children. But before we look at the suspects, let's look at another case which is very similar to the Beaumont children's, which police believed are linked. This is the Adelaide Oval case. This is the disappearance of Joanne Ratcliffe and Kirsty Gordon. They vanished from Adelaide Oval Sports Ground 
seven years after the Beaumont children in 1973. In this case, parents left their children alone to go to the toilet, but they did not return. Numerous sightings in 90 minutes following the disappearance said the kids looked distressed, walking with an unidentified man who looked exactly like the man who took the Beaumont kids. Both sketches from both cases are so similar, which we will post on the face on the Instagram. Don't know why I said Facebook because we don't have a Facebook group yet. We can make a Facebook group. But we can make a Facebook group if listeners are interested. Let us know. Or the older audience because I don't really use Facebook anymore. Yeah, true. I don't really even. I think Instagram's, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be ageist, but I feel like Instagram's very, like, the younger generation. Yes, and I do feel like this kind of thing will appeal more to the younger people. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I, don't I don't see my nan. nan. Yeah, I don't see my nan <laughs> tuning in every week, being like, "Oh, what's going on today?" I don't think my nan even has internet. So. I don't even think my nan has Spotify. <laughs> so there we go. So back to the case. Yeah. Over the years, there's also been many suspects which are linked to the disappearance of the Beaumont kids. So let's have a look at some of these suspects. So the first suspect we have is Derek Ernest Percy. But for the sake of this podcast, we are just going to be calling him Percy because it's shorter and easier to say. In a 2007 article for The Age, they called Percy out, calling him a serial killer who could have abducted the Beaumont children. In 2007, Percy was the longest serving prisoner in Victoria and his first serious crime, which is known, was in 1969 when he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. So I don't know what it's like um, in Australia. Oh, in Australia. Um, but in the UK, it's really hard to plead insanity. I was actually reading a case. No, I wasn't reading. I was listening to a case. Um, I think it was in America where a guy was faking that he had insanity. So he'd killed, I think, his girlfriend or his wife and he was faking being insane to get a lighter sentence but like he's had no previous history of any medical health medical mental health issues so no one fell for it but could you imagine if someone did that here yeah like you can't just go to court and be like i'm insane (laughs) like you actually have to prove you're insane like you do go through a lot of tests and a lot of evaluations even before the trial begins to just prove that yes you are insane and like Abby said like a lot of people do it to get a lighter sentence or even to go to like a mental health facility rather than a prison Mm. so obviously most people are like oh I'm just crazy (laughs) but they're not they're just they are crazy because it's not normal for someone to just go around killing people but they're not mentally crazy yeah um, in the UK, they need to undertake a health evaluation and give notice of its intention to seek not guilty for reasons of insanity at least 21 days prior to the start of the trial. An evaluator is appointed to conduct an in-depth interview of the defendant to determine if they are actually insane. So it is a long old process, but Percy was found to actually be insane. He had psychological condition that prevented him from remembering his actions, otherwise known as dissociative amnesia. But I feel like that would be quite easy to be like, yeah, you, this, this is what I've got. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, but... I could say I've forgotten that I did that. What does that mean? That I, I woke up on Sunday thinking it was Monday. Does that mean I'm like... You have dissociative yeah, amnesia. Does that mean I've got it? Because I don't even know what day of the week it is. <laughs> 
So Percy had actually admitted that he was at the beach the same day the children went missing and may have taken them, but because of his condition, he doesn't remember exactly what he did. Okay, hon. But you can remember being at the beach. Yeah. But you can't remember what you did at the beach. I mean, I think I would remember kidnapping children. I feel like if you have that sort of, like, psychological condition, you kind of shouldn't be left on your own. Yeah. Like, you should probably have, like, some sort of carer around. Yeah. If, If he has... If he has history of maybe not kidnapping children, but of doing strange things, when if he has disassociative amnesia, then I don't think I would be comfortable letting someone go out on their own. I mean, he was called out for being a serial killer, so I'm assuming he did some really bad stuff. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Percy had matched the police sketch and facial structure. Uh, which we will post on the Instagram. I think one is already up there. Um, but I don't think But we we'll do like a side-by-side view of oh, yeah. all the suspects so you can see like which ones kind of look more similar than the others. Yeah. Uh, but there were actually a few issues. So he was born in 1948, so he was only 17 at the time, but all the witnesses said that they saw a man in his mid-30s and so questions then arose if he could drive or even if he had a car at the time. Because I feel like if you're going to kidnap three kids, you're going to need some sort of vehicle to get out of there with. But how old do you have to be to drive in Australia? Well, I mean, I don't know. That's actually I, really I, thought, good question. I thought it was 16. Yeah, it probably is. It's like America, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't think that... That may not be a valid question. But it's like he but, might not have a car because yeah. a lot of people obviously pass their tests and then don't get cars straight away. Mm. Also, 17 is very young to be kidnapping three children I mean, like, on your own. This is what I mean. Like, surely, whoever did it, they had to have some sort of vehicle or something because or they must have lived close in this, like, the area. Yeah. Because let alone kidnapping one child would be quite hard. Three children, that would be ridiculously hard. Yeah, definitely, especially at the age of 17. <clears throat> And also, like, can you take witness testimony as, yeah, he's in his mid-30s? Like, how do you know? Because I got ID'd for a scratch card a couple of years ago when I was, like, 21. And you have to be 16 to buy a scratch card. Yeah. So, I mean, are people going around going, oh, she's probably late teens? Like, you don't know. Like, some people look a lot older than they actually are. Yeah. So, again, like, the whole age range thing, I'm not sold on. Mm. Yeah. Our second suspect is a man named Harry Phipps. Harry Phipps was only highlighted as a suspect as late as 2013. Phipps was a wealthy factory owner and a member of the Adelaide Social Elite, which we all know, listeners, that just because you're part of a social elite does not make you not a criminal. For example, Jeffrey Epstein and Jimmy Savile. They're both nonces. And just because you're part of a social elite doesn't make you untouchable. Just throw Prit Sandra into the mix. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. He was also known for giving out $1 notes, which we all know Jane paid for her pasties and her meat pies with a $1 note. He somewhat resembles the police sketch as well. He doesn't resemble him, like, the sketch as much as Percy did, but there are some sort of similarities. A few years later, after Phipps was named as a suspect, it came to light that he had a sexual interest in children. There we go. Social elite pedos. That makes me feel ill. 
His son Hayden Phipps said that he remembers seeing the Beaumont children in his garden the same day they disappeared. Phipps also only lived 300 metres away from the beach. So he is well known to this community, which also makes me think, because obviously Jane went into the bakery on her own and ordered food that she does not like. And is it because maybe Phipps took them? He knows that he's well known and he can't be seen because everyone would be like, oh yeah, it's Harry Phipps. Mm. Oh... I just had a thought as well. If he is like really high up and the police do believe that it was him, it could be another cover um, up. Yeah. I just feel like police love covering up crimes. Yeah, they really do. Anything to save their own skin or save one of their own. Yeah, covered one of their own. They're very much like, oh yeah, we say it never happened, brush it under the carpet. Yeah. So the reason that Harry Phipps became a suspect in 2013 was because two former employees of Phipps who had worked in the factory in 1966 said that Phipps had paid them to dig a hole two square metre deep in the rear of the factory for undisclosed reasons. Police searched the factory, but nothing came from the search. In 2004, Phipps passed away and a man named Stuart Mullins came forward and said that he went to Harry's house and interviewed his wife, Elizabeth. He entered the basement and on the shelf, all by itself, there was a white buttoned money purse, just like the one James Bowman used to have. All them years ago on the day that she vanished, Stuart pointed this out and to a twitchy Elizabeth who said that she had brought it from a shop a few days ago. Stuart had tipped off the police like anybody would. But when the police arrived, the bag had been thrown away, apparently. And I feel like, why would you throw a bag away, which you purchased from the shop? Do you get what I mean? So, like, they went back, the purse is gone. And she's like, yeah, I've just thrown it away. Mm. It just doesn't make sense. And apparently it's the exact same one that Jane had when she went to the beach. And the fact that it's in the basement on its own, there's nothing else in the basement. It's just a shelf with this purse on it. Yeah. Okay, yes, no, that is that is odd. Like, was she a bit, like, maybe... Maybe he didn't do it, okay? We can't... We shouldn't assume, but... Maybe he didn't do it. Maybe she did just have a purse. And it was exactly the same. Maybe she was a bit twitchy because, obviously, all this sexual interest in children came out. So maybe um, she was a bit like, oh, no, I need to get rid of that to, like, you know clear his name a little bit yeah i mean it, as the as it was bought recently i would not throw a purse away that i had bought literally a few days prior that's what i mean like it's odd and why is it in the basement if i bought a purse i wouldn't go and leave it in the basement i'll start using it straight away that's what i'm like it would be in your handbag yeah exactly mm. i feel like that's a trophy yeah And then again in 2018, police went back to the factory where they dug before to dig further. But again, there was nothing found other than animal bones and just a bit of debris. Okay, so that's all the information for Harry Phipps. Moving on to the third suspect, Arthur Stanley Brown. In 1998, Brown was charged with abducting a five and seven year old girl in 1970 which was four years after the Beaumont children went missing. Both of these cases were very similar to the Beaumont children and Brown looked very similar to the sketch which was provided to the police. 
Brown did die on the 6th of July 2002, so there isn't much on him. So I think we can, well, not rule him out as a suspect, but I'd say he's less less likely than the others. I think he was more of a suspect because, like we said earlier, there was another case at the Oval Sports Ground where mm-hmm. two girls went missing. Mm. And basically he was around the same year that they went ah, missing okay. but it wasn't like but he wasn't in Adelaide he never admitted that he was in Adelaide when the Beaumont children went missing so it's like I don't know if you can say mm, yeah yeah maybe they just said he was a suspect because he looked similar to the sketch yeah but it's like any convenience any, any piece sketch just looks like a standard bloke yeah you I can't, know like I know it's, they all look very similar yeah you yeah. can't sit there and go yeah that's him yeah. like that's what I mean you've got four suspects that look like a sketch I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. All the sketches do look quite not similar, but I'd say they're very basic. That's what like, I mean. They, they just are. look like generic men. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're just generic men. Yeah, of the 1960s. I don't know. Yeah, but they do. They all look very, very similar. Yeah. And our fourth and final suspect. And please, like, don't shoot me for saying this because I may say his name wrong. But it's Bevan Spencer von Einen. This is apparently how you say it. And I'm really sorry if I have said it wrong. I don't mean to offend. So von Einen is our fourth and final suspect. He is the only one out of the four who actually admitted to the crime of taking the Beaumont children. But as we know, admitting to something and actually doing something are two different things. Like anyone can walk into a police station and go, yes, I committed that crime. Yeah. But police are very tactical off. They only give out certain information to lure in, like, false confessions. So, like, you could walk into a police station and say, yes, I murdered that person. They're wearing a blue top because that's what the news report says. But really, they're wearing a yellow top. The police just want to catch people out to actually who did the crime. I think it's a really good way of catching people. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way as well. But did you know, so like in America, they do it a lot where they lie to the suspects about something um, when they're interviewing them. Yeah, to like get a confession. Yeah, but you're not allowed to do that in the UK. Yeah, I feel like America's very like, they can do what they like. Yeah. Their laws are very different to ours. I feel like ours are very lenient. A little bit too lenient. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, But yeah, let's get back to Bon Einen. Einen? Ivan? I'm really sorry (laughs) about this. So, he had bragged to an informant that we only know as Mr B, which sounds very, very... Sounds mysterious. Yeah. So, he said to Mr B that he... He took three children from a beach years ago and he took them back to his home and he, in his words, which I just think is absolutely disgusting, he performed a brilliant surgery on them. He went on to say that one of the children had passed away during the process so he had to get rid of the other two and he dumped them in the bushland of South Adelaide. I just think that's disgusting. Like, yeah. Yeah. like if he did it, it's disgusting but if he didn't do it and he's admitting to it like that I'm sorry that's that is like yeah but a lot of sociopathic vibes I'm getting from that yeah. guy a lot of people do it though for the for the like the attention yeah 
I wouldn't admit to a murder that I didn't commit. Yeah, well, any normal person wouldn't. <laughs> That's just crazy. I would go go down to my local. Yeah, I I did this. I did. That. I wouldn't do it. No. Like, why would you incriminate yourself? Yeah. The only issue with Von Einen is that he was only nineteen years old at the time of the crime. So again, he doesn't fit the age description. But out of all the suspects, he is the only one that is still alive today. Has it? Has anything come out? N- nothing has come out since. Like the latest suspect was Harry Phipps in 2013. Mm. So that is all the suspects that there is information on. Uh, so two years after the disappearance, Jim and Nancy, so the children's parents, received two letters which looked like Jane's handwriting. And the letter said, We have been living pleasantly with the man who took us. It finished with the abductor saying, I have been their guardian, but you can have them back now. Meet me at... And it said a location. The parents and police arrived at the location on the letter, but no one showed up. And another letter then arrived saying, I have decided to keep the children after noticing the detective at the meeting point. 24 years after this letter arrived... New forensic techniques show that it was a 41-year-old man who had sent them when he was 17 years old for a prank. That is just cruel as fuck, honestly. Why would anyone do that to a family? Like, to anyone? Like, anyone that's gone missing? Like, why would anyone? That's not a prank. That is sick. And it's twisted. Could you imagine the parents? Like, the, the hope they must have had that their children are safe, they're well, they're alive. Because like, they don't know where their children are. No yeah. one's seen them. There's no evidence. Like, everything the kids took to the beach with them that day is gone with them. Everything is gone. There is no trace of these children. And the parents get a letter and it's suddenly, oh, it's oh, sorry, I was just playing a prank. No, I'm sorry, that is really, really messed up. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, there isn't much on who sent the letters but I honestly hope that like charges were pressed against him because that is horrendous yeah oh that makes me feel so ill unfortunately the children to this day still haven't been found and no sightings of them since this had a massive strain on Jim and Nancy's marriage and they ended up separating in the early 70s In 1990, a number of newspapers published a computer-generated image of what the children would look like now, but Nancy refused to look at it, and both parents were devastated by the release of these images. And in November 2019, Nancy Beaumont sadly passed away in Adelaide Nursing Home at the age of 92. And that is just heartbreaking. Yeah. I just... I couldn't imagine. And, like, again, we apologise, because, obviously... It's a cold case, unsolved, of, again, children. But mm-hmm. I feel like these cases, like, they need to be spoken about. Like, people mm. should hear about them because they are horrendous. And I don't know, I just feel really sorry for everyone involved. Like, yeah. having to deal with this for the rest of their lives and yeah. never knowing... Never knowing... About like, what happened. Yeah. I think it's so sad when the parents pass away and their dying wishes to know what happened... Like, not even just children, but a family member or a friend or anything. Like, they just... They they pass away never knowing what really happened to them. I just find it really, 
really heartbreaking. And I know like a lot of serial killers, child abduction people and all that sort of stuff, they like they like the power of knowing they've gotten away with it and they enjoy it. But I honestly just think like if you're going to die and you know you're going to die on your deathbed and you've committed this horrendous crime, just tell someone. It's not like you can go to prison for it anymore and you've lived with this dark secret for the rest of your life. Mm. So you may as well just say, look, I've done it. This is what happened. This is where they are. But again, I just think like in their brains, they sit there and they, they love, I don't know, they love the fact that they're causing other people this much hurt and distress. And yeah. I just think, like, how can anyone live like that? I reckon they just... They would take that power to the grave with them. Like, they're, they, yeah. they're like, I know I'm going to die and I'll have this hold over everyone. They'll never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm taking it to the grave with me and I just... It's just... You really do have to be some sort of psychopath to be able to do that to, to someone. Like, it's just so inhumane. And it's kind of annoying when we do these cult, like these unsolved cases. Because I want to know. Yeah. Like, I just want to know where they are. Like, are they still alive? Because I just find it so bizarre that nothing, no trace of them, nothing has ever been found. Mm-hmm. Like, it does. It just makes me think, like, is there a chance that maybe potentially they are still alive? But suspects-wise, I have no idea this week who who did it and what yeah. happened yeah I mean a lot of the things do point to Phipps like, yeah I would got, say he's Phipps. got the purse he gives the one dollar notes yeah he doesn't enter the bakery because they reckon that maybe he would have been recognised mm-hmm. apparently he had interest in child like sexual yep yep motives yep, we know, like. yep. so and yeah. it's like I just think like if his wife covers up for him she is just as bad. Mm-hmm. Like, what, you're worried about your reputation as well? I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. there's people out there who want to know what happened to their kids. Yeah. No one cares about your reputation, darling. Well, it was, like, we, I think we briefly spoke about it in last week's case, um, about Joyce Cox and the neighbour and how he was obviously a suspect and his wife, she would make the clothes for them um, and it's it just kind of seems that if you were in the same place as him doing this to them kids, you would you would surely notice something. Yeah, it's and like why um, not come forward about it? It's like I was listening to a case today about um, this guy who was just going around killing people, and he had like a whole group of people helping him. And his girlfriend knew about it. And then he ended up killing her. And it was all just very bizarre. Like, they all knew about it. And no one ever said anything. But obviously, when they all got caught, they were all like, oh, yeah, I knew about it, but I was too scared. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do that, don't they? They're like, oh, I knew about this, but I was too scared because something might have happened to me. Which... I, I get it. I like, can... it does happen. Yeah. But when it's been going on for, like, five years plus... You weren't scared. You were enjoying it and participating in my eyes. Mm, Yeah, there's that. But I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of The Mystery Room. Um, I hope it wasn't too much for some people. So we hope to see you next week. Stay tuned. Yes. Um, We are sorry that we tried to go and look into as, as much information as possible and get as much detailed information as possible but with unsolved cases it is quite hard um 
but we're hoping that was enough information for you guys I didn't even touch my tea and now it's stone cold I was just about to ask that did you even drink your tea no I haven't touched it and now it's really cold oh that is heartbreaking heartbreaking. there's nothing nothing worse worse than when your tea goes cold god oh well tonight's not been a good night has it we've been saying pasties pasties I can't I just can't speak tonight it's just been a bad week (laughs) I'll be on form next week I'm sure yeah let's hope we're both better next week and we don't have such husky voices and we're on top form for our bottle of wine again um but yeah we hope you've enjoyed today's case and we hope you have a lovely weekend and don't forget to rate and review and obviously tell everyone you know and let them be aware of how amazing our podcast is yes if you're interested in true crime uh also go follow our patreon um the mystery room uh you will get bonus episodes and early access to our podcast so instead of having to wait till friday you can listen to them on a thursday night thursday night thursday thursday night yeah i'd say thursday night um but yeah we will speak to you guys next week peace out (laughs) bye